Hello again and welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris. And uh, so much time, we've, we've spent the last 150 episodes plus episodes more or less talking about the Beatles themselves, their music, their lives. But yet there's a lot of people who are have played a big role in the Beatles' career and their rise to fame. And today we're going to start by talking about one of those people. I'm not sure if this will be an actual series or anything, but uh, yeah, I, we, we've it, f- figured it'd be nice to shine the light on some other people we, who played a big role. And today's first one that we're going to do is Klaus Vormann. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll call it Beetle Friends. Yeah, know? I like that. Sort of like uh, people that are uh, associated with the Beatles somehow. Might might be uh, uh, close uh, personal friends with them. Might be people who worked on the records, but in the in the back, you know, the, the people who aren't talked about a lot. So so yeah, what uh, what better uh, person to start with than uh, Klaus uh, Vorman, who we've talked about so many times on the podcast. I know. I think the the best way to describe him is the way that George Harrison introduced him at the concert for Bangladesh when he basically said. And now there's a guy on bass who a lot of people have heard about, but they've never actually seen him, Klaus Vormann. And yeah. he is, he's, he's known as an artist, he's known as a bass player, he's known as a kind of a, a important person for the Beatle look Hamburg and the Beatle hairstyles, and just always behind the scenes, but yet one of their closest friends for many years. Amazingly enough, too, just as kind of like almost it feels like by accident, kind of like stumbled into a great long career playing bass. Yeah, and is uh, and is a, a spectacular bass player and plays on some tracks and maybe even some tracks uh, we'll point out later that you don't have any idea that that's the, that's who's playing on that. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, famous track. So we'll play uh, or we'll we'll talk about uh, uh, several examples of those. The thing that really stands out, just we we had the fortune to see him at the Chicago Fest for Beatle fans. He was one of the featured guests several years ago, and Chris, you and I went. And I remember being very nervous because I could see him signing books in the room right behind where we were filming or talking, and I I kept thinking that's Klaus Vormann. He was at the concert for Bangladesh. Yeah. He played on Plastic Ono Band. He knows all, everything. He, he designed Revolver. Uh, but he seemed like the most sweet yeah. guy. Like when he I w- heard his talk uh, in you know, like a Q&A session, I think it was with Peter Asher. And it was, yeah. he was like the most normal down-to-earth guy. And a hint of a German. I mean, he's German. Uh, and you can still hear his German accent. And just like very sweet and I, I i thought that was really a testament to somebody who has seen and known everybody well and i think that's pro- uh, one of the uh reasons uh, because i every interview i i also see from him he's just the nicest pe- you know sometimes these people are asking the stupidest questions <laughs> yeah and he's just being so nice to everyone and just very gentle voice and that must be one of the reasons why he was so popular uh particularly in the early 70s yeah. to be on a lot of these people's records because he was just like good friends and became such good friends with not just the beatles but with carly simon and some other people so mm-hmm. well, uh but I, you know, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, how, <laughs> you know, how it all started with him and the Beatles, right? Uh, you know, uh, so let's 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 get into that a little bit here. 
Yeah, so Klaus, he's a little bit older than the Beatles. He was born in 1938, so he's two years older than John and Ringo. Uh, and he started out by studying classical music and then went to study art in Berlin and eventually moved to Hamburg, so moving further north. And this is one of those weird moments of, of just the planets aligning here. He's hanging out with Astrid Kircher, who we all know as a girlfriend of Stu Sutcliffe, and then hanging out with their friend Jürgen Vollmer, who's another name in the early Beatles' lives. And all of a sudden, the two of them were fighting, and then Klaus is like, I'm out of here. I'm going to go check out the Reeperbahn bar. And who yeah. does he hear? Rory Storm and the Hurricanes with Ringo, followed by the Beatles. And so he decided to stay and watch. And wow, all of a sudden he hears this noise, and there he is. There they are. So, supposedly the first time he'd ever even heard rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Because he's a classical sure and a jazz that's guy. True? Is that possible? <laughs> possible? Yeah, I guess so. You know, but he was just like, "Oh, what is this? Oh, it's amazing." Mm-hmm. And, so, and they look different, right? I mean, the what, how do you just like think of uh, the Beatles' early look in Hamburg? They were real sloppy looking, I guess you could say, yeah, like kind of yeah. rough with the leather jackets and hair all over the place, smoking, just not very polished. And then here come Klaus and Jürgen and Astrid all like very looking very bohemian and dressed in nice clothes and uh, suede coat, you know, quote, suede coats, woolen sweaters, jeans, uh, when you've got all these prostitutes and sailors around. Yeah. Well, it definitely like uh, uh, becomes – sort of like influential i believe that his sort of eye for fashion for hairstyle for that kind of thing just being you know cool and <laughs> a little bit older than them uh you know he'd he'd mentioned uh, i guess george harrison at one time when his hair was like drying a certain way he's like oh leave it like that and that apparently sort of influenced and became that mop top hair haircut that that uh they would all adopt right you know wanted to mention this is something that maybe we'll cover uh uh coming up here in the upcoming uh years is the movie backbeat yes yes. where uh all of these sort of characters sort of are in that stew uh Mm -hmm. and uh astrid you know are are sort of the main characters of, of that of that film but uh obviously klaus is uh, part of it as well and you can see klaus in some of those early beetle photos there's some 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 klaus in the background kind of uh stuff happening yeah absolutely but yet you think of john john and klaus probably at first like they would have hit it off well because john was the was artsy guy too and mm-hmm. but that isn't actually what happened so John kind of dismissed him uh, when when uh, Stu came, or uh, Klaus came over and said, "Oh, you know, hey, I'd like to meet you guys and hang out and whatever. Uh, tell me about your music." And he's like, "Ah, no, Stuart, talk, go talk to him. He's the artist around here," and kind of yeah. dismissed him. Uh, so eventually, doesn't eventually. seem like John, John 
doesn't, doesn't seem like John Lennon to be standoffish and a, a, a jerk when. Uh, no, <laughs> never. He, <laughs> <laughs> he was never like that. Not at all. No. So that was very, yeah, very influential in those early days. And they yeah. all were, were very involved in the art scene. Stuart Sutcliffe, of course, then left the Beatles and hung out, you know, had Astrid and. Well, one important thing happened uh, while Stu was still in the Beatles, and uh, this is uh, from the Guitar World interview uh, article done by Alan DePerna, and this is quoting uh, Klaus here. One night I came into the Top Ten Club in Hamburg where the Beatles were playing. Suddenly, Stu just handed me his bass. Hmm. I had never had a bass guitar in my hands. He said, come on, you play now. And the rest of the band said, yes, come up on stage. I said, no, I can't do that i'm scared (laughs) in front of the stage took a chair put it in front of the stage and started playing the bass i tinkled around on guitar a little but really i had no idea i knew fourths and what the strings were and the first song was counted in it was fats domino number i'm in love again and that's the first time i ever had a bass guitar in my hands wow wow and so then when Stu quit which you just mentioned uh he bought he, Stu wanted to buy some paints, I guess, <laughs> and sold his Hofner bass to Klaus, hmm. and uh, the rest is as history as far as his b- bass playing goes. That's fascinating. That it, these stories about it's not, of course, directly related to the Beatles as songwriters, the Beatles as musicians, but but they were there and they were very much part of the scene, and I think. They were highly influential and then obviously worked the other way because then Stu Sutcliffe, who couldn't play bass, really, then said, hey, Klaus, you play the bass. And they're telling him to play. And then he buys his bass and then he actually becomes a bass player and and does pretty well, has a pretty good career of it for a while. So, yeah, really interesting. And then after they after Klaus left Germany, he went to London. And how about this for a. A place to live. So, do, would you like to live with George and Ringo in London? Yeah, that that sounds pretty cool. Actually. Yeah, <laughs> because the Beatles probably all... lots of uh, lots of girls around. Yeah, that's so. what I'm thinking exactly. <laughs> that's that's why John and Paul left because they were you know, John was married to Cynthia and uh, Paul was dating Jane Asher. So they split and left George and Ringo in this apartment with Klaus. So. Sure, it was some pretty fun times there. Well, then Klaus would uh, audition for some ba- like apparently this uh, band some had had some openings. Eh, kind of weird in the late '60s over in England, like how many like people would be in, ba- in in these bands that we know about and then like quit. Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> suddenly up and gone. Yeah, so Manfred Band had a had an opening. And Klaus joins Manfred Mann, and one of the big uh, hit songs from Man for Man, of course, is "The Mighty Quinn," written by and you, Bob Dylan. Of exactly, course. yeah. Uh, 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 Mighty Quinn, oh, of course. Dylan's version is called "Quinn the Eskimo." Yes, mm-hmm. and is a, mm-hmm. a lot different. But uh, "The Mighty Quinn," uh, major hit, just yeah. a colossal hit, and uh, Klaus very prominently featured on it, not just on bass but on flute. So flute and background vocals, yeah. So he's uh, part of the part of the uh, Manfred Man for a couple albums there. I was trying to figure out. I was reading about Manfred Man. Are you a big Manfred Man uh, fan? 
you, 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 so little of a Manfred Mann fan that I just figured out yesterday that Manfred Mann is an actual guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's a real person. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Manfred Mann's an actual dude. Yeah. That Manfred Mann and the Manfred Mann's Earth Band both have Manfred Mann in it. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Manfred Mann's Earth Band being the one that had Blinded by the Light. Right. Up like a douche. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And Manfred Mann. Which Klaus Mann. Vorman was not in. No. But, but Klaus Vorman apparently said to Manfred Mann himself a lot, like, oh, you need, we need to be more earthy. Like, we need to play, oh. like, more natural, more earthy mm -hmm. stuff. And so when he started Manfred Mann's Earth Band, he was like, ha, 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 inside joke. That's why it's called Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Aha, uh aha. -huh, uh -huh. Well, that makes strange? sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes sense. I mean, it not, Klaus was also not on the other, the only other Manfred Mann song I'd ever really thought of was Do Wah Diddy. Yeah. And that... Yep. That was a little predated. early. Yeah, predated yeah. him. So, uh, so yeah. So the, if you want to look at Klaus's work in Manfred Mann, it's he was there from 1966 until 69. So yeah. right around that time, and actually, that's 1966 was very important for Klaus related to the Beatles, was it not? Because then, what did he do? We said, oh he yeah, was, yeah. He was not only a bass player at that time, but also quite the visual artist. So yeah, of course. Well, well, I guess John called him up and was like, "Hey, let's uh, will you do the cover of our next album?" And um, you know, when we saw him at uh, the Fest for Beatles fans, he had just come out with his 50th anniversary book called "Birth of an Icon: Revolver at 50. Mm -hmm. and um, and uh, uh, I think that that was sort of like uh, his his later career here. I mean, we're jumping ahead quite a bit here. But his later career here sort of revived this sort of like uh, Klaus the artist and, and graphic designer. And uh, his website, by the way, Vor Vor it's a pretty simple website to remember, vorman.com, mm -hmm. uh, is great. And he's got a lot of these drawings on there that you can buy individual prints of. Of course, that book. Um, and he's got several other projects out there that you can you can purchase his uh his uh, box set of his uh, Sideman's Journey, I think, has, yeah. is is like uh, very expensive, but uh, uh, <laughs> looks looks pretty cool. Um, you can even get. Uh, I saw online he designed a 60th anniversary Hofner base. Ooh, cool. and it is really cool looking, but it's like I don't know five grand. <laughs> they only made like 500 of them or mm, something. Mm. So <laughs> so. Uh, the revolver. So the revolver cover. Uh, uh, obviously, yeah. uh, let's speak a little more on, on that, Dave. Yeah. So he uh, was paid the ex the exorbitant price of forty pounds for this. So hardly anything. Uh, but <laughs> it actually won a Grammy Award for best album cover in the graphic arts. And I like this story. Uh, Brian Epstein apparently cried tears of joy upon seeing the cover. And, uh, I, yeah, it worked well. It was, you know, line drawings of the four Beatles, of course, with a lot of, with a collage of photographs with, 
in their drawings, there are things coming out of their hair and coming out of their ears, and it was just a huge collage. Uh, so very different. If you think about the Beatles album covers up to that point, it was really the first one that didn't have them as themselves, really. I mean, they were there in collage, but they were not like actual photos of them. It was a drawing. So it was kind of influential and really captured the time. So are you a big fan of the cover of Revolver? Yeah, I especially more and more that you look at the other like he the other drawings he did uh, around the time that are are featured in that book. I, I I flipped through that book and was just like fascinated by it the other like versions of it and uh the other uh yeah sort of inspired by kind of pictures that that uh he drew uh it's pretty good i i also love another cover he did for the beatles dave which are the three anthology covers oh yeah which all oh, yeah. all fit together and i've all, i always thought that those were like really cool really awesome i wanted to have one of those uh posters on my wall with mm-hmm. the three covers but i couldn't find uh one for some I, reason well i remember when it came out it, we, we didn't know i don't think that they could all they were all supposed to be put together because you yeah just, you just got the you know first volume came out and then the second one and then the third and then you realize oh yeah it's all one big thing so uh, his his graphic art is good it's very uh, you can tell he's trained and he's he's got a, a whimsical creativity surrealism sight uh in his eyes so Yes, and and there's a a, a um, rateyourmusic.com list that's Klaus Vormann's al- album covers, and it's got uh, some of the other covers he did. The BG's first album mm-hmm. is sort of a real hippie looking kind of uh, picture. Uh, BG's idea also that that one sort of puts me in the mind a, a little bit of uh, Revolver. Yeah, and uh, some other ones trio couple trio albums and and then a great ringo album oh yeah the ringo yeah <laughs> that's right ringo and then of course wet 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 mm-hmm. there are a couple other groups like that uh, that he did album covers for that you might not even know who they are yeah uh but uh, at least looking uh, checking out the like stopak <laughs> who's stopak i have no, I don't know. no idea but uh but the album cover looks really cool so mm-hmm. you know so to be i mean just to be a guy who wins a grammy w- w- under graphic design yeah alone would be a career yeah you know yeah uh, but and... but the fact that he uh you know also has a career as a bass uh player which uh we'll get more into here now i i think that his career as a bass player okay and we'll talk about some of the other uh stuff at the end of this but Really, uh, it, it stems out of his very close personal relationships that he had formed over the years with the Beatles. It seems like he's a little bit less of a, say, best friend to Paul. But he was very close with John. Yes. And uh, I saw a, a nice uh, video of uh, him in New York talking about having stayed stayed a lot with John and Yoko and what they were like when they were together and and also that Carly Simon lived in the Dakota and he had lived he and his wife lived with Carly Simon and Ugh. her husband at the time for a while wow it just just kind of like you know just kind of 
just being close friends with everybody and and being parts of the scene led to all this uh, base work. I, I feel like for him, and of course it started with a, a, a sort of rushed, <laughs> thrown together uh, concert that uh, John would uh, do that would involve Klaus, obviously, and that's Toronto. Yes, so the famous uh, Toronto uh, rock and roll revival concert that John played with Eric Clapton, and then the at the time unknown Alan White, more or less unknown. And then, of course, uh, John calls Klaus and says, come along, too. And so they play this gig and rush through everything. Like you said, they're rehearsing on the plane, trying to get through <laughs> and playing some rough versions of blue suede shoes and cold turkey and all kinds of other things. Uh, but that was a big deal. And we'll, when we do our, in our series on Beatle gigs, we'll get more into the music behind it. But Klaus yeah. is very visible in that gig. But he was he's always like in the background he's always you know not like clapton who just stands out or john but he's always just kind of like embracing his role as sideman and that's yeah. something that uh, i think served him really well and that's where things really got started uh, for yeah. like you said because manford Mann was over and so klaus was a free agent became a session musician and played everywhere after that well, one of the uh, cool prints that he's got in his shop is uh, a, a, photo, a picture of uh, everybody on the airplane. Mm. <laughs> Alan White apparently like playing drums on the back of a seat. Uh huh. You know, <laughs> and just the the and, and it, it, it seems a little bit nonplussed that mm-hmm. Klaus does that they didn't particularly with cold turkey that they didn't rehearse it enough yeah he's like you know this is such a cool single that we're about to put out and this is you know it was like they did the performance before cold turkey was out you know yeah and they're yeah. like man cold turkey sounds so good we gotta really rehearse it and get it right and john's like nah whatever we'll hit the Just stage play and it. yeah <laughs> we'll do a bump and hit the stage. Probably. Yeah. Probably <laughs> exactly. Said, yeah. So, so, however, you know the the obviously this would lead to uh, him being a sort of uh, John's go to guy for the uh, early part, well, a, a, a decent part of John's uh, career. Yeah. Um, and so many, many, many of the great John Lennon tunes that are so fantastic, it's Klaus on bass. Uh, including Plastic Ono Band, mm-hmm. obviously, um, and uh, one one fantastic track on Plastic Ono Band. I, I, we haven't talked about Plastic Ono Band as an overall album, have we, Dave? No, we will at some point though, because it's a it's it's an anniversary year here, so we're I know it's on our list to talk about. Yeah, well, one track I just wanted to point out was, uh, uh, and if you think about it, uh, I found out that mm. that's just a real bass driven bass heavy track and him he, 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 Klaus and Ringo on that are just so like amazing so I've been jamming that all week mm-hmm. in preparation for this well that's the thing that whole trio uh, so John's going through his horrible period with primal scream and trying to figure out who he was the Beatles are broken up and so who does he recruit to play on that album but Ringo, who he knows extremely well, and, of course, he gets Klaus is on the other side of it. So both guys really know him well, and I think they he needed John needed somebody like that 
someone's people were solid and Klaus's yeah. bass playing is really solid throughout that's yeah you can really hear it on that album he's not flashy he's not like a McCartney type bassist who's extremely melodic uh, but he, he he comes out with some good riffs every once in a while and you can hear him on that song you can hear him on well 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 I remember there's one particular oh, yeah. spot where he's just like just coming out of the texture there that's really interesting and uh, it, it it just is a good fit I think for John and his style at the time people have argued that John shouldn't have played with people like that because he knew them too well and they didn't push him uh, because like I guess if you nah, <laughs> come on when you play with people you oh, don't you want know. John you want John playing with a bunch of strangers right right who who are challenging him how's mm-hmm. that gonna work out yeah not not well <laughs> I don't think so I mean that was something I wanted to know when I when Klaus was at the fest for Beatle fans the questions unfortunately the there wasn't a lot of time for questions and the only type of questions he got was oh what was it like this or that and kind of the the standard fan yeah. questions but I wanted to ask what it was like to play on this album and what John was like yeah. and working with John at that time well, some of the answers to those questions are available in what I think is one of the best uh, little documentaries I've ever seen on mm-hmm. anything, really. It's one of my favorites. is Classic Albums, John Lennon, Plastic Ono Band. That's available for free on Tubi, if you have Tubi. Pretty much if you have any Roku stick or anything like that, you can get Tubi. Mm-hmm. And ch- I, I uh, implore you to go check out that, because... Uh, one of the great features of those classic albums, and I've watched several of those. I watched uh, Elton John one, and I watched some other ones. Is that they they'll be sitting there with the masters, and so you'll oh, yeah. just they'll just pot up just Klaus, and you'll hear what Klaus is doing on say Isolation and stuff like that. It's just really like uh, very very cool, and that one's particularly great. Uh, yeah, of course for for uh, us, uh, one, oh, yeah, yeah. one of the best ones we could imagine. So, uh, speaking of imagine, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so you've got a list of all of John, the work with John, right? That he's, yes. Uh, yeah. So after plastic Ono band, then yeah, he, he was on most of imagine. There's a couple tracks he doesn't play on, but, uh, he's on most of imagine he's on walls and bridges. Mm hmm. Obviously, uh, uh, some great tracks on that, and he's on Rocket, the uh, disastrous <laughs> rock and roll album, uh, and you can hear him doing the vocals on "Bring It On Home to Me." The yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> that part that is that is Klaus, so pretty good. Yeah, um, and then uh, just a footnote here: he's also on that Yoko album, "Fly," and that cool song that we uh, uh, featured when we were talked about Yoko, Mrs. Lennon. Yeah, so that's him on the do 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 de do uh on that so um lots of work with john there and of course you know john went into his exile so that was pretty much it for uh john maybe maybe they would have worked together again sometime in the early 80s before uh klaus retired for a while and yeah the late 80s to to uh spend more time with his family so that's the john albums but he also uh turns a like that would be enough to have yeah have a, a brilliant career but he's also on all these george albums yeah he was the go-to bassist for george all the way through extra texture i think pretty much uh, before george switched and went to dark horse and started his label he was pretty much the guy on 
yeah, all those early George albums. And where did we see him first? That was a big spot that we got to see him with George. Oh, yeah. Well, if you started the show with a, a quote from the concert for Bangladesh. Yeah. So he was the he was like the bass player on pretty much the whole concert for Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, fantastic. You know, does a great job. Yeah, we're gonna make a, play, a little playlist, by the way, and and uh, post it on, on the footnotes uh, to the show, and you'll be able to get it on our uh, Facebook page. So if you want any links to our show, you definitely come to the Facebook page. Right. Uh, but uh, concert for Bang, yeah. So concert for Bangladesh, and of course, I always think of the song Bangladesh, uh, and and uh, of course, Wawa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's all over all things must pass as yeah. well. Yeah, uh, which we're in the midst of talking about, so we won't go on too much about that. <laughs> and then he's on uh, living the, in the material world on most of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Dark Horse, I guess he's on Ding Dong Ding Dong. You mean he doesn't play on Bye Bye Love? That one. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and then he's on Extra Texture, and I'm like, oh no, I hope he's not on Grace Cloudy Lies. <laughs> And he's not. Okay. He's on uh, Ooh Baby, You Know That I Love You, which is one of the better tracks yeah, on there. Yeah, And then World of Stone, eh, mm. and then and Can't Stop Thinking About You, so, mm. which lyrically is challenged, but uh, <laughs> music's good on that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so he's all over the George albums there, too. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he's on the Ringo albums. I believe he arranged a song for Sentimental Journey, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember which one, but he was he's listed as one of the arrangers. Oh. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, when you get to non uh George and John albums, the info gets a little sketchy. Right. Like the the historians haven't dug deep on who exactly plays on every single track of say Goodnight Vienna. Yeah. Yeah. So and it, so, if it's not listed correctly, it's like, well, he's on Goodnight Vienna, but there's three different bass players listed mm-hmm. on, the, on the track. Whereas you could say Ro, Ringo's Rota Gouverneur. <laughs> uh, there's only one bass player listed, so it's got to be Klaus on 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 Pure Gold, right? Oh yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> so so. <laughs> Uh, well, but but he played the big the big one is all of Ringo yeah, Ringo and, yeah. uh, and and including the uh, single Don't Come Easy in early 1970. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's I mean all of Ringo is just fantastic. Well, and the big that. the big thing too with the Ringo album, there was almost the reunion. Well, the, with the on I'm the Greatest, you've got John on piano and and Paul uh, uh, George on guitar. Ringo on drums and Billy Preston and Klaus uh, are involved, and yeah. they were actually there was a joke I believe I read somewhere that they were going to call themselves the Ladders and go out and become a band, sort of a reunion without Paul. Um, Boy, that would have been real, real uh, awkward. Middle finger to Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you could see just the fact yeah. that that Klaus is one of those guys. He's the Paul fill-in. He's he's clearly got a good reputation and respect of those other musicians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and the documentary we were talking about too. Uh, this is jumping back to John. He's all over that documentary, 
both documentaries uh, uh, based around the Imagine album. So if you want to oh, like yeah. just go yeah. and look at look at Klaus and <laughs> dig into to Klaus, he's he's all over those uh, the footage of uh, playing on all over Imagine the mm-hmm. the one that came with uh, well above us uh, only uh, sky more recently that we talked about. If, yeah, above us only sky and then the. Uh, Give me some truth. So uh, that's you know that's a lot. That's a large volume of work with the Beatles there and and uh, on their solo work, but he also had uh, quite a, a, a career outside of that. Um, and I wanted to uh, point out particularly three uh, um, uh, fam- very 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 famous songs that. Uh, you might might not uh, realize he's the he's the guy who's uh, the bass player on that. Uh, the first of which is "You're So Vain." Mm. Carly Simon ma- ma- major hit, and it starts with a really cool bass intro. Yeah. Too, if you if you remember what "You're So Vain" uh, sounds like, if you don't, uh, it'll be on our on our little playlist here. Um, it, it, you know, Klaus, uh, a friend of Carly Simon. There's videos of of him and Carly Simon uh, from a couple of years ago hanging out hmm. uh, <laughs> out there. Uh, so they're they're close friends. He played on four of her albums, but uh, particularly "Your Sylvain" is like such a big mega hit and uh, starts with an intro played by him. Yeah, yeah. You know? So so uh, quite quite a thing there. He's well, also you think about uh, it. Very, he also he had yeah. moved with I think with John or John kind of told him, "Oh, move to L.A. We're all moving there." And so then all these look all these people you're I'm sure you're going to mention have connections to the West Coast scene uh like 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 Carly Simon or people like that who are out there and so it, he's like right he's the guy there he is there's Klaus Absolutely and yep. one of those guys one of those guys would be Harry Nilsson Yeah and he he did so many Harry Nilsson albums six Wow. Seven, eight, eight Terry Nelson albums. Wow, uh, including the "Without You" is just mm. such a such a massive, massive smash song from Harry Nelson, and uh, that's that's Klaus on bass on that. Klaus on bass on one of my favorite albums, which I, I just gotta say, if I haven't said this enough when we've talked about Harry Nelson, get Pussycats. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you have it's to. It's John. It, it, I mean, if you're a Beatles fan, you gotta have Pussycats. Mm-hmm. And, and John Lennon's on it. I got it on uh, vinyl a few years ago from a record store day thing. Uh, one of my favorite, m- most prized possessions right now. So, mm-hmm. so, and that's uh, you know, and uh, particularly on a couple of those tracks, the bass really uh, chugs along. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then. Uh, uh, you know, before uh, really researching here, I'm not sure if uh, either of us knew that he's on uh, Transformer, the Lou Reed album, yeah. which is a, it's a, it's a, the most famous Lou Reed album. Right. And uh, he, he is the bass player on four tracks, including Perfect Day, which is just like such become such a mega, you know, and I don't yeah. think in the, at the time it was a mega massive like number one hit or anything, but over the years it's just become the go-to sort of like Lou Reed tune to yes. play, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, and he's also on Satellite of Love there too. So uh, Oh, that's another very, big one as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um yeah, so those are the three I wanted to mention just because he'd played a lot on definitely played a lot with uh, uh Carly Simon and with uh, uh Nilsson. 
now, Dave, we've talked about a couple other uh, scruffs <laughs> yeah. that he scruffed into <laughs> playing with. Uh, one's Billy Preston. Mm-hmm. You know, we mentioned he he played Billy Preston a lot, and uh, uh, on his album "Encouraging Words," which mm-hmm. we talked about. But yep. of course, <laughs> what what other album was he on, uh, Dave? Well, let me let me think here for a minute. Uh, oh, oh, uh, is this what you want? Here's your book of I'm guessing some Jackie Lomax. Jackie Lomax. Yeah. That's right. Is this what you want, Jackie Lomax? So. Yeah, I think he's he's all over that album. Uh is this what you want? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh let's let's name some of the other uh Nate, rattle me off some of the other uh, performers he he uh, yeah uh, played with. Well, I remember a long time ago on a podcast you did a, an impression of Randy Newman singing "Short People," and in fact, Klaus is the bassist on "Short People." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, that's what I missed. Yep, he Short is. <laughs> yep (laughs) he's on that too so he's playing on that album and on that song uh he played also with people like bb king uh bb king in london 1971 he played with dion you know a good old dion demucci uh yeah i remember him yeah and Art Garfunkel, you told me about that one, Breakaway. I remember seeing that. That album was always in the cutout bin at record stores. <laughs> like It was always on the dollar rack. <laughs> well, well, I did some listening to get ready for this, and I skipped that one. <laughs> yeah, oh, you missed that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Donovan. Donovan, yeah, the Slow Down World. So you can see all of his, his session work here. It all goes until about the late, late 70s-ish time. So he yeah. was real active. Other people I've never heard of. You've heard of Nicolette Larson? Yeah, Nicolette Larson. Yeah, she had some hits in the 70s. She oh, okay. was very similar kind of to Carly Simon. Ah. Um, uh, Peter Frampton played yeah. on a, a Peter Frampton song, which I listened to the other day and is not very good. <laughs> uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Van Dyke Park. Van Dial Parks, sorry. No, I said Van Dyke, but I meant Van Dial Parks. Mm-hmm. Maria Moldar, who yeah. had that terrible song... Uh, <laughs> Midnight at the Oasis. I don't think he plays on that one. So no, he's a, no, he was spared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Leon just to, Russell. Yeah, Leon Russell, right? Martha Reeves. Mm-hmm. Cat Stevens uh, played. Yeah, like it's all over the place. I mean, he's everywhere. Yeah. Um, he also played on a few albums from this guy, Stephen Rimler. Oh yeah, albums. Now Stephen Rimler had originally been in this group called Trio, Dave. Mm-hmm. One of your favorite groups. I have the trio of albums of the trio. Yeah, they're they're my uh, favorite. Yeah. And of course, your big big favorite favorite song ever is. <laughs> let me get the official name of it again here. Let's oh. see. Uh, it's a uh, trio's big hit album that was produced by uh, the the man we're talking about, uh, uh, Klaus Foreman. It's da da da, and in parentheses, <laughs> I don't love you, you don't love me, aha aha aha. 
And then it says, uh, usually shortened to da da da. Yes. Like, yes. Oh, I wonder why. I wonder why. Yeah, that that like that's been in, as you said uh, before that we started recording. You said that that song was just made for commercials, and it was in Volkswagen ads, and uh, it was yeah. in some food ads. It was in movies, all over the place. Uh, I looked. Here's a little. If, if, if you're probably hearing that he- that song in your head right now, as we say, da da da. Yeah. Uh, but the the group's main principle, it says. <laughs> Yeah, very nice. Very nice keyboard work there. Was to remove their main principles to remove almost all the ornamentation and polish from their songs and use the simplest practical structures. So drums, keyboards, and vocals, if at all. Playing. Oh, yes. Yep. He played simple pre programmed rhythms and melodies on his small Casio VL1 keyboard. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Klaus was responsible to, in, for some extent, for da 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 ich lieb dich nicht du liebst mich nicht aha aha aha. Uh, so there you have it. <laughs> There's your German version of what you just said. Yep. Oh yeah. What a great. What a great. Uh, I I've always despised that song. Uh, yeah. To, to like it's. Uh, uh, on my list of like just like it's just the worst earwormy kind yes. of like yes. terrible thing. Uh, <laughs> so uh, thumbs way down to da da da, but nothing against Klaus. No, he you know. he knew where the money was. So, yeah. yeah, and as an experiment, and as a you know, it's the eighty nineteen eighty, so mm-hmm. it's sort of like oh that makes sense as a you know kind yeah. of like experimental thing and. Some of those, you know, Casio things were sort of like new and right. exciting to work with. You know, the same year as Check My Machine. So. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Similar uh, sound there. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, Klaus, uh, you know, shortly after all of that uh, trio stuff, kind of just retired and and spent a lot of time with his family. Uh, of Back course, to he'd Germany. Return, he'd return and play a concert for George. Yeah. And then they, uh, he had a full album uh, called uh, 2009, called The Sideman's Journey. That's his only solo album, really. And he play, played a bunch of the songs that uh, made were important in his career, including that first song we talked about that he played. They got up on stage and played the uh, Fats Domino number "I'm in Love Again" with uh, Paul McCartney, and you can you can yeah see a video of that online i couldn't find a it's not on my streaming service at no. least i couldn't find that album anywhere um but no. uh it was yeah. a it's a kind of a interesting short list if you look at the track listing for the album because it's got that one you just mentioned blue suede shoes which he played with john uh, all things must pass have you seen my baby by randy newman which was on the ringo album my sweet lord the Mighty Quinn, mm-hmm. Short People, The Day the World Gets Round, featuring Cat Stevens. And then oh, yeah. Doris. Oh, we forgot Doris Troy. We've forgotten Doris Troy here so far. Yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> You're 16 and Such a Night with Dr. John. So, kind of a greatest hits, not only of Klaus's uh, side work, but also just all these people and great songs of the early 70s so yeah, I, yeah. i'd be interested to hear the whole album i've not heard it 
Uh, no, I haven't either. And it was hard to, like I said, I yeah. was trying to find it, but I did, I did find that first track there. And uh, want to point out just again how, how, how amazing his website is. It's really like I, I spent a good hour or two just kind of like kicking around his uh, vorman.com website. He's got all of his prints up there. He's got a lot of stuff that he designed, his illustrations. Uh, there's something called Hamburg Days where there's some pictures that he drew. There's also, uh, uh, you know, stuff uh, in his shop that you can buy. Now, the prices are listed in uh, uh, overseas uh, Euros <laughs> currency. Probably. So yeah. I'm not even sure, you know, what it would take to uh, get them shipped. But uh, he uh, has a relatively new book called It Started in Hamburg with some of uh, his illustrations. Um, and, uh, this was from 2018, mm -hmm. uh, and he had a whole ex exhibition, uh, and some really cool pictures in that. Um, but you can really explore his career, uh, through this website in a, in a pretty, pretty kind of cool way and, uh, keep up to date on, he's still, you know, touring around and coming to the occasional, uh, Fest for Beatles fans, so maybe yeah. we'll see him again. Maybe we'll actually go and get a, something signed by him. I know, we're <laughs> too <place>. shy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always sort of like, eh, I don't want to bother. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm the type of fan who just wants to just kind of like stay out of the way of the yeah. famous person. But um, definitely the check out, you know, if you can, if you can uh, afford his books, I'm sure they're worth it. The uh, It started in a Hamburg uh, book, the graphic design book, and then that the other one he did uh, on Revolver, uh, Birth of an Icon. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What a life. I mean, think about, let's just think for a moment what the Beatles story would have been like without Klaus. And what, yeah, yeah. You, kinda, you, you can't almost. I mean, he, you can't. Yeah. But they have had the floppy hair. Right. Would, would uh, you know... They have, uh, you know, I mean, uh, some of the, sty uh, st the essential style elements of the early Beatles kind mm -hmm. of had to have been influenced by both Klaus and Astrid. Yeah, absolutely. And then after their famous, I would think of Revolver without the cover. Think of uh, just all those albums, those solo albums in the 70s and the gigs. And it's just, yeah, I mean, he's one of those stalwarts who's always there. And they could trust, they could rely on, yet he was also a really good artist. He wasn't a hanger-on because he was a good artist on his own and a good bass player. He could obviously played with other people. So I, I think like that's why we're talking about people like him. You, know, they, you, you get to get the full picture of the Beatles' context. They didn't get there by themselves only. And sometimes it's the people like Klaus, who they, they're called sidemen, but they're... They actually have a lot more importance than you think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and not just that, but uh, friendships, so, yeah, uh, lifelong friendships with uh, Ringo and with yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, John and uh, uh, seemingly, I, it seems like they're on friendly terms. He and uh, Paul, but mm -hmm. you know, Paul went a different direction. Was sort of like uh, on the road with wings, and yeah, you know. Uh, stuff like that. So I mean, maybe they would have worked together and things turned out a little differently. But um, maybe they still work together. They're still, uh, they're still around. Again. Yeah, there's still time. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah. All let's get a Paul and Klaus Borman band together. Hey, for, uh, that'd be great. And put Ringo back on drums there. We've yeah. got it. Excellent. Start touring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mix up mix up Paul's tour. Well, cool. So this has been fun to look at uh, Klaus Vorman. As, as Chris mentioned, we're going to put a playlist together on uh, uh, on Facebook and uh, yep. lay out some of maybe what we could, we could call Klaus's greatest hits or some of his most important tracks and then link to his website and other information that we think you might find interesting about him. And as always, you can get a hold of us through Facebook and Twitter and I've got a Beatles podcast at hotmail.com. So we're always available and ready to engage. Um, yeah. Uh, follow me, uh, at Christy Bragg. I usually post a song of the night. I'd, I, fully uh blast uh, uh political figures <laughs> <laughs> ask them to the amount of times i'm asking people to resign from their yeah. <laughs> it's reached uh <laughs> high proportions right now and i don't want to say epidemic because that's a very uh, oh, yeah. dangerous <laughs> word right now but yeah <laughs> yeah so uh but uh yeah it's a it's a yeah I, in fact, I'm, I might be taking a little bit of time off of Twitter. Just, Probably a good just, idea, yeah. <laughs> but I'll still be posting Song of the Night uh, almost every night, uh, you know, unless I fall asleep too early. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode very soon.